This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened, I'm okay, other people have it worse, it doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Joseph McMonagall shut his two eyes in order to open his third. He took a deep breath in and out, transporting your mind to a place you have never physically been to required concentration. Any time he tried to explain the psychic process known as remote viewing to friends, he had to stress that it wasn't the type of seeing that they were used to, not like a picture or a film. It's a kaleidoscope of senses and you have to grab what you can while you can. Today, he didn't know where he was visiting. He had only been given coordinates. Another breath in and out. And he arrived. He immediately felt fear and confusion. There was a big yellow pyramid and people, but not people, other beings. They were scared, worried. They needed a new place to live. They lived on Mars. Then he was back. McMonagall opened his eyes. He was laying on a couch in Fort Meade, but had he just discovered extraterrestrial life? Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a ParCast original. 
Every Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Conspiracy Theories for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. This is our second episode on remote viewing. Last week, we covered the official story of the Stargate Project, a research initiative that studied and implemented the psychic process known as remote viewing. The United States government spent two decades funding the Stargate project before the CIA terminated the program in 1995. Their claim? It was ineffective. But was the CIA telling the truth? Not everyone is so sure. This week, we'll explore some alternative theories espoused by skeptics surrounding the Stargate Project shutdown, starting with conspiracy theory number one. Remote viewing was used for espionage in Eastern Europe and South America and uncovered top-secret information that the CIA didn't want leaked. Conspiracy theory number two. Remote viewing was effective and had the potential to unseal government cover-ups, like Adolf Hitler faking his own death that the CIA wanted to keep secret. And finally, conspiracy theory number three. Remote viewing was used to explore outer space, and what was found needed to remain a mystery. The CIA couldn't have the public knowing that extraterrestrial life was confirmed to be living on Mars. The CIA terminated the Stargate project in 1995 after a formal review recommended the closure of the project. The review stated that evidence for the operational value of remote viewing was not available even after a decade of attempts. The focus of the review was on the research and procedures of Harold Putoff and Russell Targ at the government-funded Stanford Research Institute. The review claimed that some subjects in the Stanford Research Institute experiments who were meant to be blind participants actually had access to vital information prior to joining the group. That information potentially skewed the data towards success. Whether the padding of their results was intentional or not, it didn't matter. The CIA couldn't condone its illegitimacy. But, interestingly enough, the report never concluded that remote viewing was not real. It simply explained that it was unlikely that remote viewing, as currently understood, will prove of any use in intelligence gathering due to the conditions and constraints applying in intelligence operations and the suspected characteristics of the phenomenon. 
The report only questioned remote viewing's effectiveness and practicality. However, those conclusions were drawn from people outside of the Stargate project. As for the participants, well, they have a much, much different story. Their accounts lead to our first theory. Remote viewing was used for espionage until the spies found out too much and the CIA realized the tactic was more of a liability than an asset. We can conclusively say that the U.S. military did use psychics in their intelligence operations. How often they were employed is up for debate. According to military officials outside of the Stargate project, Psychics were only employed after all other tactics and attempts had been exhausted. They were a last resort. At any given time, the Stargate project was made up of about 15 to 20 individuals. A number of those participants have been outspoken about their time there, including 20-year Army veteran and Legion of Merit honoree Joseph McMonagall. McMonagall was one of the first men recruited to work with the Stargate Project as a remote viewer. Though he admits that remote viewing wasn't a popular military tactic during the entirety of his tenure, he claims the military's hesitancy had more to do with the military's closed mind than the tactic's accuracy. It was a result of what he calls a ridicule factor. No matter how effective they were, Nobody wanted to be associated with something so out there. The military's opinion of the Stargate project was perhaps embodied in its accommodations. McMonagall called the headquarters old leaky barracks. In direct contrast with the CIA's statements, McMonagall's recollection of the Stargate project was anything but ineffective. In fact, he claims it was nothing short of miraculous. According to McMonagall's book, Memoirs of a Psychic Spy, The Remarkable Life of U.S. Government Remote Viewer 001, the NSA reached out to the Stargate Project to substantiate their claims of an information leak at a consulate in the Mediterranean in 1980. Frederick Atwater, the head of the remote viewing faction at the time, chose McMonagall, codenamed Viewer 518, as the best man for the job. So the NSA allegedly gave McMonagall a photograph of the outside of the building that they believed the leak was coming from, and he went to work trying to see it, all while ensconced in Fort Meade. As McMonagall traveled across the world using only his mind, his body lay on a couch in a dark enclosed room. A project monitor and an agent from the NSA listened in from outside the room as McMonagall reported what he saw. In his book, Remote Viewers, The Secret History of America's Psychic Spies, author Jim Schnabel wrote that McMonagall saw a flame-like emanation, some kind of unusual electromagnetic signal coming from a wall in a certain hallway behind a water cooler. Across the world, the NSA ran a search of the Mediterranean Embassy. And sure enough, they found a water cooler. And right behind it, an electronic device transmitting messages. The NSA then asked McMonagall if he could find where the signal was going, and he delivered. 
He honed in on an apartment across the street, describing emanations coming from the building that may have been intercepting the signals from the embassy. He also noted that there were other distinctly different emanations coming from a level below those. Incredibly, the NSA agent confirmed everything that McMonagall had seen. Soviet spies had been camped out in an apartment across the street from the embassy, and American spies were camped out in a lower-level apartment. They were trying to listen in on the Soviets. Viewer 518 was right. And that's just one example. Remote viewers like Joseph McMonagall weren't only used for espionage against other countries. They were occasionally asked to spy on their own troops. In 1976, Officer Melvin C. Riley was assigned to the military's remote viewing faction that would become the Stargate Project, then called Grill Flame. Along with McMonagall, Riley worked under Lieutenant Frederick Atwater. For one of his remote viewing assignments, Riley was given a target from the United States Air Force. Without knowing exactly what he was looking for or why, Riley followed instructions. Atwater monitored Riley's sessions. While remote viewing, Riley saw a flying bat-like object that had a bulbous cockpit. He described the cockpit as something one might see in a 747 jet. It all seemed pretty run-of-the-mill until Riley saw electronic wires that looked like lit-up strings. He reported it to the Air Force, and the Air Force immediately told them to stop remote viewing that target or anywhere near it. It appeared Riley had touched upon something the Air Force didn't want known, but they didn't communicate further. What did Riley find? Well, some believe he was picking up what even Radar couldn't. It wasn't until much later that Lieutenant Atwater learned what Riley had really seen. Atwater was watching the news when the Air Force unveiled their latest aircraft, the B-2 Stealth Bomber. How was he so sure? The B-2 Stealth Bomber was equipped with fiber optic control wires to limit its ability to be picked up by enemy radar. Wires that, to an untrained eye, look an awful lot like lit-up strings. It made sense to Atwater. The Air Force wanted to find out if their anti-radar technology could prevent enemies from remotely viewing the B-2 stealth bombers. Once they realized that Riley could indeed locate the craft, they shut the process down. It's likely they couldn't risk him gleaning more top-secret information. Information that could potentially be dangerous if they were captured for Riley and for the U.S. military. Well, the important part is, Riley's and Atwater's testimony seem to point towards remote viewing being not only effective, but occasionally too effective. Riley also claims that in his time as a remote viewer for the military, he remotely viewed Soviet research facilities, helped locate hostages in the Middle East, found narcotics traffickers during the war on drugs, and more. All of which seems contrary to the assertion that remote viewing had no value. 
According to the remote viewers, their espionage efforts proved successful on both foreign and domestic fronts. Could it be that the CIA terminated the Stargate project for the same reasons that the Air Force shut down Riley's session? To protect top secret information from getting into the wrong hands. After all, when you can travel space and time with your mind, there's no limit to what you can uncover. Coming up, secret nuclear tests, cutting-edge submarines, and more secrets supposedly uncovered by remote viewing. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least, not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home, like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now back to the story. Joe McMonagall and Mel Riley both claimed that the remote viewing missions with the United States military were not only real, but highly effective. They've each given detailed accounts of their experience from the 1970s through the 1990s when they successfully spied on Soviet forces and remotely viewed top-secret United States military aircraft. McMonagall also claimed he assisted in the Iranian hostage crisis and spied on Libyan revolutionary Muammar Gaddafi. No claim, however, is as startling as what each man said he saw in 1979. In 1979, Mel Riley was given another assignment to remote view a test facility in China. When he came out of the session, he made some sketches of what he saw. One particular sketch stood out. It was a shape that looked like a basketball with two large funnels. Riley wasn't a nuclear physicist. To this day, he claims that he couldn't possibly have known what one might look like. But he had drawn a nuclear bomb. Two other remote viewers, Joseph McMonagall and a man named Ken Bell, confirmed what Riley saw. Then, three days later, intelligence sources confirmed that there had been a nuclear test at the target facility. In that same year, as part of the Stargate project, McMonagall allegedly aided the discovery of a new war submarine. Over the course of three sessions targeted at Soviet affairs, McMonagall described what he saw as a submarine with as many as 20 missile tubes. 
Originally, his description of the size and capability of the submarine seemed at odds with what officials at the NSC thought possible. But in 1980, the NSC obtained satellite photos of a Soviet submarine launch. It was the largest ever built, with capability for 20 ballistic missiles. So, what do we make of our first conspiracy theory? That remote viewing operations were shut down after they uncovered top-secret information proving the Stargate Project a liability. Based on the accounts of the Stargate Project participants, it's really a question of one government agency's word against another's. True. The Stargate Project, its participants, and leading researchers, Targ and Putoff, all insist that their work was both real and effective. It would be normal for anyone to defend their life's work, though, even if it was proved fruitless. Not to mention, many of the Stargate Project participants have gone on to use their alleged life experience to sell books or appear in the public eye. Well, that doesn't necessarily discount their experience. But it does add another layer of motivation, lying to make a good story. Yes, though that being said, there's corroboration for many of their stories, and the CIA, unsurprisingly, has remained mostly silent. I'd say that this is the least likely of our theories, because there are so many accounts from Stargate Project participants. If it was shut down to prevent the dissemination of information, the CIA is doing a bad job of it. True, nobody is silencing McMonagall or Riley. And if either had information important enough to warrant a CIA shutdown, wouldn't they have written about it in their books? Exactly. While I do believe the Stargate project was used in United States military espionage efforts, I still have reservations surrounding its effectiveness, if it was effective at all. Agreed. There isn't any hard evidence either way. All in all, I'd rate conspiracy theory number one a 6 out of 10, with 10 being very likely and 1 being very unlikely. McMonagall and Riley's accounts may have held some truth, but the practicality of the CIA making budget cuts seems more realistic than its suffocating information, at least in this case. Agreed. Although I'm a little less convinced about the believability of their remote viewing, especially with remote viewing's history of fabricating evidence. According to Jim Schnabel's research, even for the best remote viewers, half of their sessions had little to no relation to the desired target. So I'd give this theory a 4 out of 10, much less believable. However, just because McMonagall and Riley's claims about the CIA's shutdown of the Stargate project aren't likely, doesn't mean remote viewers never discovered something they shouldn't have. Let's take a look at the circumstances surrounding our second conspiracy theory. Remote viewers were able to uncover information the government would rather keep secret, and the Stargate project was shut down in an effort to keep secrets secret. Much of this theory revolves around a claim made by remote viewer Dick Allgaier. Currently, he serves as the vice president of the Hawaii Remote Viewers Guild in Honolulu. In a remote viewing session, Allgaier claims he saw Adolf Hitler alive. 
years after he allegedly died by suicide in April 1945. Allgaier, along with other remote viewing enthusiasts, interpreted what he saw to mean that Hitler faked his own death. He lived out the rest of his days undercover in Argentina. The body buried in Hitler's grave in Germany was a lookalike. Now, we should mention that Allgaier has no association with the United States military or the Stargate project. In fact, he only became interested in remote viewing after the CIA declassified the Stargate project in 1995 and released its documents to the public. Starting in 1997, Allgaier obsessively studied the declassified documents beginning not long after he began to remote view himself. We should also mention that Allgaier is not alone in believing that Adolf Hitler faked his own death. In fact, it's a conspiracy theory that's been around since 1945, when Hitler died by suicide. The theory that Hitler faked his own death predates Allgaier's remote viewing session by half a century. So, it's impossible to say how much of what Allgaier saw and how much of his interpretation of what he saw was influenced by pre-existing seeds of thought. And then there's the fact that in 1997, when Allgaier claims to have seen Hitler via remote viewing, Hitler would have been 108. While it was possible for him to be alive in Argentina, it was not likely. Whether Allgaier's claims are true or not, they serve as an example of the type of information that the Stargate Project could theoretically have accessed, information that would warrant the CIA shutting it down, preventing any further research. Which brings us to our final and most likely theory of them all. Theory number three, remote viewing was used to travel into space where the Stargate Project participants found evidence of extraterrestrial life that the CIA wanted to remain hidden. And reports of remote viewing being used to travel to the surface of Mars come straight out of the Stargate Project. Coming up, did the Stargate Project go to space? eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now, back to the story. While the U.S. and other governments experimented with psychic remote viewing from the 1970s to the 1990s, 
the method was officially debunked and the experiments were declassified in 1995. And while most of these declassified documents focused on Cold War espionage, one among the thousands of pages stands out. Its title, Mars Exploration, May 22, 1984. The document serves as the official record of the government's actual assignments for remote viewers to target locations outside of planet Earth. Whether or not remote viewers actually saw anything in outer space, we can confirm they tried to. And our third conspiracy theory suggests that the studies on remote viewing prove the existence of extraterrestrial life and suggests the government may have shut down the Stargate project as a way to cover it up. The names of the men involved were not originally released in the report, but Joe McMonagall has since claimed he was the remote viewer mentioned in the May 22nd document. He also claims that, at the time, he had no idea that his target destination was Mars. The document Mars Exploration, May 22, 1984, is written like a script. It contains nearly the entire conversation between McMonagall and his monitor. According to the declassified documents, the session took place in a dark room. McMonagall was wearing headphones. He described seeing a pyramid and being surrounded by a yellowish okra color. Then, McMonagall's view was obstructed by what, in his own words, he described as, quote, severe, severe clouds, more like a dust storm. It's a geologic problem. At this point in the session, the monitor directed McMonagall to go back in time, before the dust storm. The instruction brought McMonagall back to the pyramid, and then McMonagall described sensing the presence of what he called people, people who had been gone a long time. He was instructed to go back to a time where they existed. McMonagall tried. He was directed to explore a specific location, but when he found it difficult, the monitor gave him free reign to explore. Once he was free to explore, he was able to capture a more vivid description of the beings. He described the beings as very tall, wearing thin clothes, and that they were ancient. McMonagall told the monitor that he understood that it was the end of their lives, and they were waiting. In a very confused state, McMonagall said the beings, quote, can't seem to get their way out, so they're hanging on while they look or wait for something to return. A party of them that went to find uh, a new place to live. There's an ambiguity around McMonagall's description of what he saw, but if nothing else, the March 22nd document proves the United States government had a vested interest in exploring space by any means possible. And Joseph McMonagall is not the only participant in the Stargate project to claim his remote viewing trips were missions to Mars. Major Edward A. Dames, a monitor for the Stargate project, was an active proponent of space exploration. He claims that they were able to locate life on Mars that matched the description of a particular species that many extraterrestrial enthusiasts refer to as the Greys. 
According to common extraterrestrial lore, the Greys are unable to live on their own planet and have been searching for a new one. And their main method of communication? Telepathy. It's worth noting that, in an interview with Slate, McMonagle said he didn't understand why the government would be doing remote viewing tests on information they couldn't confirm. If they wanted to prove remote viewing, shouldn't it have been a verifiable test? This leads us to believe that either, one, the government had full confidence in remote viewing and was ready to use it to gain new information, or two, they already knew extraterrestrial life was there. In addition to McMonagall and Dames, psychic Ingo Swan claims to have used remote viewing to travel to space. As a reminder, Swan was one of the earliest psychics to work with Harold Puthoff and Russell Targ at the Stanford Research Institute in the 70s. In 1973, Swan and another Stargate participant, Harold Sherman, were recorded as they both attempted to remotely travel to Jupiter. They then compared their findings to see what, if any, similarities there were. Interestingly, the differences in their descriptions are missing from the document. The similarities are still in the records, but they're vague at best. Both described ice crystals. Swan mentions swirling vortices and Sherman a tornado. Still, it shows that the government had confidence in remote viewing or confidence in life in outer space. It's possible that the Stargate Project's monitors were trying to prove the viability of remote viewing with a classic police interrogation tactic. Oftentimes, law enforcement will intentionally keep evidence under wraps during an investigation. This way, if a suspect mentions something about said evidence, officers know that person is guilty, since that's information only the perpetrator would know. Similarly, in the Stargate project, the monitors may have given subjects a target they knew they most certainly wouldn't be aware of, such as specific locations of extraterrestrial life. If a subject could accurately describe a top-secret alien civilization, then the CIA would be able to confirm that remote viewing was real. And remote space travel wasn't the only remote viewing that claimed the existence of extraterrestrial life. In 1973, one of the Stargate Project scientists, Harold Puthoff, was approached by one of the star remote viewers at the Stanford Research Institute. The remote viewer gave Puthoff an envelope that supposedly listed the locations of alleged underground bases where there may be testing on extraterrestrial life. Putoff conducted a series of remote viewing sessions to explore these supposed bases, but the sessions ultimately proved to be fruitless. However, word of the experiments passed on through the years until the story reached Lieutenant Frederick Atwater in Fort Meade. In 1982, Atwater decided to give his best remote viewer, Joseph McMonagall, the same task. McMonagall attempted to view these locations. He described underground tubes, lots of space, and the feeling that there was a prototype of something present. He felt no presence of any beings, however. 
In 1986, Melvin Riley was given the same task. He described a UFO-like structure with something that resembled a control panel. He said it was inside something like a mountain, and inside the UFO-like structure was something that Riley described as an organ. But again, nothing living. As exciting as those findings might be, both McMonagall and Riley have since expressed their beliefs that what they saw was part of a radio tower complex that was meant to study the aurora borealis in Mount Hayes, Alaska. That is, after they found out their target destination was also in Mount Hayes. Is it possible they were fed this story as part of a cover-up to conceal anything extraterrestrial they may have witnessed or suspected during the Stargate project? It's not impossible, but there's very little proof. For me, the accounts of remote space travel feel a little vague and thin, especially when considered that nothing can be corroborated. When considering this theory overall, I'd give it a 5 out of 10. Not impossible, but not likely. That being said, the remote viewing of space was pursued. At the time, top government officials believed remote viewing had the potential to discover extraterrestrial life forms. Yes, but to what end? For me, the nail in the coffin is the missing differences section in Swan and Sherman's descriptions of Jupiter. It feels like an instance of padding the data to skew towards success. Sure, that makes sense. I don't know how much evidence of extraterrestrial life the Stargate Project actually found, but I think it's possible that the CIA would want to prevent them from investigating more. The declassified documents showed that the U.S. Senate allocated $2 million to the Stargate Project in 1992 for two more years of research. If it was so ineffective, why, even in the years immediately preceding its closure, was the government investing in its success? I have to believe that the CIA was afraid of something, and extraterrestrial life seems to be the one thing we know they were exploring that would also be enough to warrant a termination. So I'd give this theory a 7 out of 10. Fair enough. And who's to say that when the CIA terminated the Stargate project, they didn't start an entirely new top-secret research department devoted to remote viewing? I don't think we can. If only it were possible for someone to spy on the CIA right now from the comfort of their living room. Who's to say they can't? I don't think we can. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Conspiracy Theories, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Conspiracy Theories on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. Until then, remember... The truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. 
Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Travis Clark, and Paul Liebeskind. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Sam Beasley, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. 